The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. And that's because the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe has some great features like the available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, and much, much more. So think about those places that you want to go, the things that you'd like to do this weekend and where the Santa Fe can take you. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Welcome back to the First Cut Podcast. I've got uh, Mark Hillman here. My name is Kyle Porter. Uh, I've been kind of we kind of switching up roles, Mark. We've had some, uh, we've had Rick and, and Craig in here hosting, which has been a lot of fun. Uh, but it's just you and me today. First off, uh, we were talking about this before we started, but who you got in the uh, national championship tonight? Well, Kyle, it's good to be back with uh, you. I, I, I like residing on your wing and with you at the helm, I'm, I'm feeling very calm, very confident and looking <laughs> forward to the national championship game tonight. And uh, you know what? I, I live down in the Southeastern Conference and, uh, so I'm sort of, you know, deep down pulling for LSU to do the trick. I mean, they've been so good the entire year. They've, they've knocked away all cameras and, and the story, um, with, you know, their assistant coach losing his daughter there right before the first playoff game was, that was moving. So I, I hope they, hope they slip it through this evening and, and get the title for, for the folks down there in Louisiana. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be, regardless of who wins, it's going to be, uh, pretty insane, uh, playing, playing in New Orleans, uh, LSU. I mean, I, I would, I don't pay a ton of money to go to sporting events these days, but I would pay money to go to that one, I think. Yeah, you know, and, and the one thing about the Clemson fans, I, I'm intimately aware of them because we have good friends and my younger brother is a Clemson fan. Figure that one out. Um, anyways, uh, they travel, so I'm, I'm keen to see what the, uh, what the makeup of the, the the fans down there in New Orleans are, but uh, I'm I'm certain that the, the the Cajun crowd will show up on mass. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, so let's get to this week's event. We've got we've got a couple events actually. We've got uh, Abu Dhabi going on on the European tour. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But first up, we've got the uh, American Express uh, this week, and Phil Mickelson has kind of transitioned from being. Now, I was reading about this today. He's transitioned from being an ambassador for this event uh, to kind of being the host in the same way that, you know, Jack Nicholas hosts the Memorial and Arnold Palmer hosts the Arnold or used to host the Arnold Palmer Invitational and Tiger is now hosting the Genesis Invitational. Uh, what's your thoughts on that sort of transition uh, in his career? Does that make sense to you? Does it feel like the timing is right for that? What, what, what's your sense on all that? I feel like it makes sense. You know, Phil has become an elder statesman on tour, even though the golf swing would tell you that he's ever green. And obviously the, 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 uh, high octane quality of the calf muscles that he's got no problem showing off <laughs> social media. So he, he's young at heart, but he, but he's an elder statesman. So I think, you know, hosting an event that was, you know, I still call it the Bob Hope, honestly. So it's got a, it's got an element of the, the, the California glitterati to it. It's just down the road from, from Los Angeles. It's a hop, skip and a jump over the mountains to San Diego where Phil lives and, and he loves the place and he's played well there. And, uh, so I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, I believe his management company, uh, 
They're the agency that sort of organized the event. So I, I think it's good. He was the unofficial host for the last couple of years anyway. And, and, and yeah. finally of the place. So I think the time is right. But I certainly, Kyle, don't think that, you know, Phil's packing it in. I, I feel like he's coming out to play and he's got a, a real point to prove this year um, as he commences his 2020 season. Well, yeah, and going into last, uh, into the final round last year, he led by two over Adam Long, ended up losing on on the final hole in one of the the more dramatic tournaments of of kind of the early uh, spring last year. Uh, so that that was a fun ending. But yeah, to that point, like he played well here last year. He's won here twice before. I, I don't think he's showing up to you know just glad hand and and be there for the Sunday uh, the, the the trophy ceremony on Sunday now. I wanted to talk real quick with you, Mark, about um, – so part of this tournament is obviously held at uh, the stadium course, including the final round. It's the Pete Dye design. We haven't yeah. talked about Dye on here since uh, he passed away at the end of last week. Just what was your uh, – I don't know. I don't know if you had any interaction with him or, or, or just kind of stories that you've heard, interaction with his courses over the year. What, what's going to be kind of the legacy uh, of him that you remember? Well, I never got to meet him, um, but the courses, you, you know, when I was back playing in, in the day, the, the courses were just so visually intimidating. And and to be honest with you, I was never really a fan. But then now that I've grown up and now that I've got to, to call the Players' Championship for argument's sakes, I, I, I see the nuance behind the course. I see how he challenges you visually and emotionally. But if you step up to the plate and you hit the shot – and, and, and you take on a penalty area for argument's sakes, you get yourself the, 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 the best line into the target. And all the courses, in as much as what they're going to whip you uh, emotionally and mentally, they're very, very fair. And, and, and when there's a short par four, there'll be a peril and, and probably a real undulating green. And if it's longer, you'll have some sort of a way you can sort of dodge some of the real big visual challenges and and the deep bunkers and the, and, and the, the, the rocks around the water hazards and stuff. Me personally, the first, my first brush with uh, uh, the die course was at this very stadium course, like in the early nineties. And I was out there as a caddy for uh, a guy who was in the final stage and, I'll never forget the funniest story, and it's typically David Fairty. We were on the range, and it was after the practice round, and back then the ball didn't go so far, and you had the Santa Ana winds blowing, so this place was unplayable. And, and Parr was a, a fantastic score. In fact, Jesper Parnovic shot a 63 in the first day, and it was like unheard of. He shot 79 in the second day and still earned his card. That's how hard that's the, the, that's the that's the Rory. That's the Rory yeah. from uh, St. Andrews. But I remember being on the range and we were chatting about the course and about Alcatraz and these deep bunkers like on 16. And Dave Fairty pops up. He's just one down from us. And he goes, this place, I just imagine that I'm driving it through someone's butt cheeks because there's hills on either sides of the fair. <laughs> <laughs> and you ride up the butt crack over here. And the way he described it was, was typically Fairty and it was hilarious. And it sort of speaks to what the golf course is, but the, the place, the place there, the die course is, it's majestic. The weather's always good. And nowadays, sadly, with the ball going so far and modern equipment, they've sort of taken some of the fangs out of it. But still, when the wind blows at a dark course, you, you, you can get yourself into a little bit of problems if you're not striking the ball well. Yeah, for sure. And we see that at, we see that at uh, Sawgrass every year at the Players' Championship. I, I think the thing that struck me about Pete Dye is I was kind of reading up 
I, I, I didn't know him. I, I, I'm not super into like golf course architecture or anything like that. But the thing that struck me is he seemed very unafraid of what pro golfers thought about him and his work. And that seems like a small thing. You're like, yeah, of course, like he's not, he's not competing against them. But I think there's such a desire to be adored or loved in the game today. And some of that's good. Like some of that's natural. I think it's, I think you can still be competitive, but I love that he kind of went at players and challenged them. And sometimes I think he took it too far with some of his courses. Um, you know, maybe with this one, I, I know there was a lot of kind of outrage when it first opened. Sean Martin did a really good story on that a, a couple years ago, but I love that he was, he was kind of fearless whenever it came to challenging pros to play their very best golf. And I don't know that we get that as much nowadays as, as we used to. Well, not really. Uh, and, and if you think of golf instru- uh, golf architecture, and, and I'm not so architect, some architectural buff, but as an instructor, I do pay attention because um, they will pose you questions. And if you dig into the designer and you get into his mind or her mind, you'll, you'll figure out how to play the place and what areas of areas of the game you have to work on. And the one thing about Dai, I, I would sort of call him the Picasso of of golf arch- architects, where you know, it didn't look right when it came out the first time, and it was punitive and severe and, and bordering on unfair at times. But if you really looked at it deep down, there was real beauty in this, in this, in the unusual. And now you look at, I mean, it's probably one of the most recognizable holes in the game, the 17th of Sawgrass, the stadium course. Um, so now I think even more so people will appreciate Dyer for that very point that you make. Yeah, for sure. Okay, let's get to um let's get to some of the notables in the field this week. It's actually a a pretty good field. You know, I think some of these some of these pre um I guess pre-Tory tournaments, the the fields are a little up and down. Tournament champions is usually good. But this week we got Phil, obviously he's the host. Uh we got Matthew Wolf in the field. Uh we've got uh Paul Casey, Ricky Fowler. I don't remember him playing this tournament. I I don't know. Played once. Uh, I think I think yeah, I think it's his first time in like six years. So he, he doesn't play it very often. Um, and then we got, uh, Tony Finau, Francesco Molinari, uh, your guy Ben On, my guy Sung JM, and, uh, last year's champ, Adam Long. So, uh, a pretty strong field. I, who, who out of that group is the most intriguing to you in terms of what they do this week? Well, I've got my eye on Finau. Um, I watched him play for the first time at this very event way back in the day and, uh, I would never forget meeting the guy, and he was just so unassuming and so friendly and such big hands, and I watched him hit, and I was like, whoa. He's coming in off a of fifth place at the Hong Kong Open, so there's a little bit of form on the go there. You know, Ricky Fowler is always going to draw the attention, as would Phil Mickelson, but I've got my eye on Arn, and I've got my eye on Cam Davis. Uh, Cameron Davis, the young Australian, played yeah. last week. Um, he's, he's, he's a champion in waiting to me, and so I've got my eye on him. Personally, I was... Somewhat disappointed from a one and done point of view not to see Adam Hadwin in the field because this golf course and this place has treated him so right. He's had like three runners up, but now with the birth of the baby, uh, he and Jessica welcomed into the world. He's pulled out. So it's a good field. I think there's many storylines. I'd like to see Arn play well, but I think a bit of a dark horse is to pay attention to is Taylor Gooch. Played golf at mm. Oklahoma State. He's one of your boys down there. He He's is. A, a heck of a ball striker. And all of those courses there, especially the stadium course, 
ask you to strike your irons well and be really tight with trajectory and distance control. And that's right in his wheelhouse. And he can play in the wind. So if there's Santa and his kick up, he's your boy. So, uh, I know I haven't really answered your questions, but, but <laughs> it, it promises, it promises to be a, a great event on three good golf courses. Yeah, I agree. I, I think, uh, out of that group, Molinari is somebody that intrigues me. You know, some of the key stats on, on these, on this, in this event are, uh, strokes and on approach shots and bogey avoidance. And that, those are, those are areas where he thrives. You know, I, I know that people kind of jokingly call him the metronome because he's just back and forth, back and forth. It's the same swing all the time. You know, I, I, I think he had, I think he had a pretty disappointing 2019. Um, ba- based on what he did in 18, he's leading the Masters. You're like, is he going to win two out of the, you know, out of these three major championships? And then Tiger basically ended him, you know, on the back, on the second nine there at Augusta. And it feels like we haven't heard from him since. You know, he's, he's, he's been around. He's done a few things, but it would be cool to see him, uh, kind of, kind of, uh, jumpstart, uh, his, his, not career, but kind of his season again after coming in kind of on a, on a downer from 2019. It would be a, uh, it's a good spot for him to your point. Um, my interest with Molinari is it's his first start of the new year and hasn't played, um, since the, uh, the, the DP world uh, tour event there in, 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 uh, Dubai. So he hasn't been competitive for a while and, and I'm always a little leery of the athlete that hasn't been in the heat of competition and, uh, if you're not completely there, even though the course is a little shorter than, than than what it used to play now with modern equipment, you if you're a little circumspect and you're not there emotionally and mentally on on, on especially that stadium course, it'll get after you. It will. Yeah, for sure. And then the other guy for me is um, is Matthew Wolf. You know, this is a, this is a place where you got to score. Uh, he gets on some just just heaters. Another Oklahoma State guy. We should just pick all one and done. Should, we should only be able to pick Oklahoma State guys. Well, look, I think I know where you're going in our one and done league uh, there. I'm, I'm sure Jacob was paying attention to this league. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's yeah, I, I I like him around there. I actually have considered him in a big way, but 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 uh, if we're talking one and done, I'm saving him for down the track. Some, um, but but. To be sure, uh, I, I, those sorts of venues, um, I, that sort of a golf course, they're in those sorts of conditions where it's a bit of a birdie fest. That is right in the wheelhouse. Yeah, for sure. So since 2012, when it flipped to from being a five-round event to a four-round event, you got 24 under winning, 25, 28. Patrick Reed won it in, in 2014, 22, 25, 20, 22, 26. So if you're in the teens, if you're 18 under, no shot. You're not going to win the tournament. And it's like playing golf in a dome when you're out there, unless the Santa Ana winds blow. So the greens are perfect. You've got these beautifully um, framed holes because all the fairways are overseeded with rye and the moguls and such are dormant Bermuda grass. And so it just sits right in front of you. And if you're hitting the golf ball well and you're making your share of putts, it's open season because all of these guys can get to the par five. So you, you've, you've got to get busy, man. Um, Four sixty-sevens at least, if you want to somehow have a shot in the, uh, uh, at the title. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, I saw Phil talking about how there's no weather because it's like up right, like right up next to the mountains, which sounds like something he saw on like Discovery Channel, and he's just like repeating to the media or something. I, I would, I would, the, the like the breadth of topics that I would listen to Phil talk about 
with limited knowledge on is it's innumerable. I don't I don't think you could like come up with a topic that I wouldn't listen to him talk about. He is the best uh, for my money, the best interviewer at the game. And at this very event a few seasons ago, I had him at La Quinta for the first round uh, for PGA Tour Live. And La Quinta of the three, it's an old school design, beautiful old course, um, and it's tight. And you've got to drive the ball pretty straight. And Phil just got out there with driver and just wailed away and shot like six under. And he drove the ball in the fairway a bunch. And so uh, I didn't even I didn't even ask him a question afterwards. I just pitched a statement at him because you know Phil's just going to go wherever he's going to go. So I said to him, "Wow, Phil, uh, 66." Man, you got that driver thing figured out. You know that you must be enjoying the swing adjustments because this was just when he and uh, and um, Andrew Getson hooked up. And yeah. he, to me, he goes, "You know, Mark, I, I'm working on my downswing. I've got the swing more in play." And then he goes, "And as you know, I don't drive the ball very accurately, uh, but right now I feel I can drive it on a string and I can attack everywhere." And he just got so animated and went about talking about this thing. Is it, it's unreal how. In many ways, he's still so childlike at, at, at 49 years. Yeah, somebody I re- I remember like something about that where he was like, "I finally found the swing plane," and somebody was like, "After 35 years of playing <laughs> golf, Phil <laughs> found the swing plane." He was well, like, "It's unbelievable." Well, you know, uh, it reminds me of a joke I've heard where one golf instructor said to me, and this wasn't about Phil. So, Phil, if you're listening, don't worry about it. Uh, where the guy goes. That, that individual over there, his swing has more planes than London Heathrow <laughs> because it was all over the show. So Phil finally got it on plane, but uh, it's a little off plane. In fact, the putter has been his problem uh, yeah. since his win at Pebble Beach. So if he can figure that out, I think he'll still be relevant. Yeah, he, I saw that uh, he put out a video the other day where he was showing his TrackMan stuff, which is hilarious that Phil at 49 is like, you know, flexing with his TrackMan on Twitter. It's just like, it's unbelievable. But... Uh, he, he was carrying it like 318 or something. Now he might have been like on top of like a 14,000 foot mountain in Colorado. I have no idea, but, uh, he, he is, his speed at that age, I, I think we sort of, I, I don't know, I think we sort of underrate how good his swing still is at that age. Oh, 180 mile an hour ball speed. That's, that and above is elite on the PGA tour. And he was, I saw that tweet you were talking about and I love the way he, he, he post scripted the tweet with, by the way, it's 51 degrees out. So when it's warmer, this thing's going to fly far. Yeah. Yeah. But, but you know, if you can move the ball at 180 plus, you're hitting it hard. And, and his swing speed was, um, about, I think it was in just over the 120 or so. And, and that is gas, man. And, and so Phil, uh, he's 49 years young and, and I think he's relishing this. The new driver certainly he's got in the bag now because you know he's always experimenting with something. And <laughs> the the speed he's 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 been in the gym. You can see that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, one other note before we go to a break. Uh, Matthew Wolf, the way he started this year, he went T18 at the Shriners. He finished 74th at the CJ Cup. There was no cut. He was 11 over. That wasn't good. But then he goes T13 at the Zozo and T11 uh, at the Tournament of Champions. So uh, he's been uh, steadily improving uh, as the year – or, excuse me, as the season has gone on. I'm really intrigued. You know, I, I think coming – I wrote about Colin Morikawa a little bit today. I think coming off of this Hawaii swing, you you just I, – I feel like we're almost underrating what Hovland, Wolf, and Morikawa can be. You know, I, I think we're – I think we're – we're hesitant to be like, oh, it's top 20 guy, top 25 guy, because you're like, I don't know, we'll see. He's 21, he's 22. 
I just, I think these guys are, are potential superstars. Like I, I think they could be top, all three of them could be top 15, top 10 guys in the world at some point. And I'm really curious to see how all three of their seasons go this year. Well, you know, superstar to me is more than just playing really good golf. And, and the thing about Wolf and Hovland to a certain extent, and certainly Murakawa, he's probably the most demure out of the three of them. Um, they have that superstar quality about them. They're good looking. They, they, they're charming. They've got something special about them, like Wolf and his Wolf Pack and obviously the golf swing. And he's got a, a real swagger about him. So scores aside, I mean, he, he has got the makings of something real special. And it's almost someone who has become a good buddy of him and he respects highly. It's sort of to the Ricky Fowler ilk where Fowler has that it. You know, he hasn't won as much as what people think, but you go to an event, whether Ricky's winning or not, he's still going to grab the lion's share of the attention. And, and so Wolf has got some of that stuff, you know, just because of the swing and he's, and, and he's build and he's good looking. He's got all of that. So he's got this golf thing figured out. Once he's seen all the golf courses on the tour, he'll be able to, uh, plan his schedule, go to places that he feels like fits his game. And then I think he's going to get some traction, traction and it may be open season. Who are you picking for one and done? Just tell me. I won't tell anybody else. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually leaning towards Iron right now. I've got to be honest with you. Um, mm, you know, love him. I do. And it's a ball striking place and that guy's a machine and, and he's played really soundly leading into this. He had a good president's cup, but leading into that in the fall, he had a sixth and an eighth and a 14th. Now we don't know what happened over the festive season. Uh, maybe he's, you know, but I'm sure he's been working hard and, and, and what I've seen on Twitter, that golf swing is as silky as ever. So, uh, I feel like he, he may have a fun time of it in some good conditions there in the desert. I might pick Finau. I really, I really like him here. Um, I was thinking about him too, but there's one or two spots down the track that, that, that I like him. And yeah. He, he's the kind of guy now with the match play record he's proving he's, he's a bit of a gun at match play. And, uh, so I'm sort of eyeballing him maybe even for the match play, the Dell match play down there in Austin, Texas, which is, you know, you gotta drive it well and it's windy and uneven and so I'm sort of, I'm earmarking him maybe for that one too. You got the whole thing? You got the whole year played out. You have 2021 also or no? Uh, no, but you, uh, it's probably <laughs> the only thing in my life that's organized is my one and done plan for the year. <laughs> the rest of it is, uh, used. Okay, we're gonna come back, talk a little Abu Dhabi championship, uh, but first let's take a break and hear a word from our partners. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. 
Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Okay, Mark, uh, we got we got some coffee golf. I love uh, I love the uh, kind of the Middle East swing on the European tour because for me it it's sort of I don't know. We've got all these opening days. We've got the actual opening day uh, at, at the you know at the beginning of the fall. We've got Tournament of Champions, which is sort of uh, opening day for the new year, and then we've got Tory, where Tiger plays. That's opening day. But for me, I, I think of when I think of the Middle East swing, this this Abu Dhabi, Dubai, you know, these tournaments over there. That to me is like, okay, we're entering into this kind of descent uh, into the Masters. And there was that great stat a couple of years ago where it was like two or three guys in a row that won the uh, Dubai uh, Desert Classic went on to win the Masters. It was like Willett. Sergio and then somebody else almost did it to make it three in a row, which was which was why I think it was Rory. Um, so anyway, uh, we got the Abu Dhabi Championship this week. A lot of Americans playing. Brooks Kepka, uh, Bryson, big 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 baller Bryson is going over there. Patrick Cantlay, and then uh, obviously your usual spe- suspects on the European Tour: Tommy Fleetwood, Shane Lowry, Danny Willett, Louis Oosthuizen, and Lee Westwood. Um, what to you about this? This tournament kind of sticks out. Uh, well, sorry to cut over you, but Victor Hovland is in the field as well, and uh, this is the kind of place that I feel like he could really make hay. Um, yeah. First thing that sticks out to me is, you know, just Dubai. I mean, that, that place is is a miracle on on Earth. You know, you, you you fly in there and you see these buildings that have been built out of nothing, and and your your mind boggles. And and speaking of buildings, the clubhouse at this place, the first time I got to see it. I just stood there on the 18th green absolutely in awe of this thing because it's shaped, for folks who haven't seen it, like this big eagle. Uh, and it's sort of standing sentinel over the final green there with, with these big glass windows underneath the shape of the eagle. And, and it's it's majestic. And, in fact, the trophy has the eagle on the top of it as well. So uh, the clubhouse is unreal. The golf course is always pristine. Uh, it, it loves a ball striker, that place. I mean, that's why Tommy Fleetwood's had a bunch of success Um I think Louis Oosthuizen's bringing some great form in here after a runner-up last week in South Africa. So it's uh, it's just a good spot. It's a great time in the in the calendar. It's always good weather, really. Um, golf course is great. I mean, this is one of the great events on the tour. And if people want to sort of organize a trip to go and watch something, you know, going to the the, the Emirates this time of the year is is worthwhile because there's great golf courses and some good golf. Yeah, so your last uh, five or so outcomes, you, uh, last year you had Shane Lowry beating uh, Richard Sterney by a stroke. You had the year before that, Tommy Fleetwood beat Ross Fisher by two. year before that, Fleetwood over DJ by one. Ricky Fowler beat Thomas Peters. Uh, Gary Stahl beat Rory by one, which was <laughs> seems yeah. improbable looking back on. Um, so you've had some really good, you know, this is a tournament Martin Keimer's won three times. You've had some really good kind of duels down the stretch, and it always seems like, you know, I think some of these tournaments we get to and, and you get kind of blowouts at the end, guys that win by four or five strokes. 
this is one that always seems to come down to the final three holes, which as a, as an event, as an event organizer, as a tour, that's kind of what you want, especially early on in the year like this. Well, it's testament to the golf course. I mean, just to dive into it some more, it's, it's 7,500 yards plus. It's a real beefy par 72. You've got to drive it well because if you miss fairways, you, you're in some scrub sort of desert bush. Um, and then you've got to hit your irons well. Uh, and the greens are always magnificent. And, and to those tight duels you talk of, every iconic golf course that hosts a, uh, any sort of a big time event, you, you very infrequent, it's very infrequent that you see blowouts. If you think of Augusta National, Somehow that place always produces a story when it comes right down to it. The same thing with this golf course. And you think about many others where, like, you know, TPC Sawgrass, for argument's sakes, with the yeah. to, to Pete Dye. It's, there's always drama as it comes down the stretch and the closing stretch of holes here. It's a nice mix of holes and, and, and it really asks you to, to kind of sack up and hit some shots. And so I think a lot of that tightness of the thing is the, the golf course and, and the strength of the field. Is that on your business card? Mark, Mark Illman, swing instructor, sack up and hit some shots. You know what? Now that you pointed out, I, I might have to add that to the, uh, to the fact that I'm a one and done junkie. <laughs> Only organize around one and done leagues and sack up and hit some shots. Okay. So the big news here is, is, uh, probably number one, the number one player in the world, Brooks Kepka, back in action. He hasn't played since he withdrew from, I believe it was the second round of the CJ Cup. Um, his agent, Blake Smith, recently came out with a statement where he said, uh, Brooks's rehab for his knee has gone great the past three months. He's met all of his physical therapy goals. He feels as good as he ever has and is excited to tee it up next week. I have no reason not to believe that. You know, I, we saw Brooks injured a couple of years ago, uh, right around this time after the tournament of champions. Uh, he was out through the masters. Uh, and then he came back and I believe that was the year he won the U.S. Open. He had a wrist injury that year and, you know, so I, I don't think that somebody like, I don't, I don't think there's any like long-term concerns, but I am intrigued to see just, you know, what his form is, how engaged is he? That's always been, you know, part of the deal in non-majors. So what, what are you looking for from Kepka this week? Well, I hate to sound like the, the name dropping sort, but I, I saw some footage on social media and his golf swing. Granted, it was only one angle I got to see, but it looked fluid. It didn't look like there was any hitch in his stride, really. And and when you're dealing with a knee injury, anything with joints is hard uh, because there's all that torque and load that's put on them, especially someone who's as big and strong as him with all that club head speed. But a few years ago, you talk of that wrist injury. I saw him on comeback down in New Orleans, and we caught up, and I was with him on the course, and I'm like, how's the wrist? He goes, no problem. And I was like, I sort of like, yeah, okay, whatever. And then he unloaded with driver, I mean like full speed, and there was no ill effect whatsoever. And then fast forward, I see him the next year there, and I'm like, wow, what a difference a year makes because he'd picked off a, <laughs> a few major championships. So he's the kind of guy just because of his well-being and I think his mindset – he deals with injury pretty well, so I wouldn't be surprised at all if he plays well. The only thing is there's been a long time between starts, and that's that, that's always a concern. But to me, he looks fit from what I'm seeing. We'll obviously see when uh, when the gun goes off Thursday morning. Yeah, I, I remember watching him. I was standing on uh, four at Augusta, and the long par three, obviously, and he uh, – I, I think if you haven't seen him in person – Try to get out there and do it because his swing speed 
and the the noise that his not just the ball and the club make when they connect, but the that his club makes through the air. I mean, you've been right there, Mark. It's 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 almost unfathomable, like how fast it is through the zone. Yeah, it's you know there are guys there are certain guys on the tour that will stop you. I don't care even if you're a grizzled golf veteran and you've been around the block for a little while. And and Brooks is one of those. He's he hits balls and you pay attention. Um, Dustin Johnson's one. Rory is certainly one. Tiger is one. And when Brooks hits it, you know it's hit. And there's a sound about it that's almost Henrik Stenson-like. And 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 he's imposing. He's strong. He's and uh, he sort of cuts a, a quite a figure. So he's a, he's an impressive guy who's an impressive ball striker. And and he's got this really casual self-belief about him now, and that makes him even more imposing. Yeah, for sure. So he'll be a big storyline this week. Uh, Bryson. We haven't seen him since the President's Cup. He's been on, he's been gaming on Twitch apparently since then. I don't know if you do Twitch, Mark. I don't. I've got too many kids to do Twitch, but, um, he will be playing. He seems to play pretty well here. I, I remember, uh, he kind of started out. I think he played over here as an amateur at, at one point, maybe before the Masters. Maybe it was before the, uh, 16 Masters when, when, uh, Danny Willett beat, beat Spieth. Um, but he's played over here before. And then I, you know, I think the guy, I, whenever I think of this tournament and this, really this stretch, the guy that I think of is Fleetwood. It just seems kind of tailor made for what he does best, which is, which is just ball strike the hell out of it. And, uh, I'm really excited to watch him in some early morning golf this weekend. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm a fan of Tommy Fleetwood. I'm a fan of the man. I'm a fan of the swing. I'm a fan of the way he plays. Um, I'm a fan of his story. I mean, I, I, yeah. I like the guy that's, that's, that, that stared Big adversity in the face, and he did that. I mean, his game went from the highest of highs as an amateur to the lowest of lows as a young touring pro, and now he's one of the foremost golfers in the world, and that speaks to the metal of the guy. So I'm a fan. I love to watch him play. Um, I, I mean, it's, you speak of ball strikers. There's him, and there's Fleetwood, and there's Hovland, and, uh, and Brooks is a striker, and Cantlay is in the field too. So um, I... <laughs> It's going to be all sorts of fun. Uh, me, the story I'm looking out for is the defending champion, Shane Lowry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm keen to see if he's made the trip to Dubai with a claret jug. I'm certain he has. Cause <laughs> and I'm keen to see if he's gotten over the six-month party that he had after Port Rush and if he's come to play a little golf now and not be ceremonial about uh, – about celebrating his open championship, very well open, well-deserved open championship victory. Yeah, for sure. And then the other, the other thing would be, uh, Hovland's, uh, Ryder Cup campaign beginning this week in earnest. I, I, it's not like we've kind of been joking about it. And then you look up, you're like, this might be a real thing. It's going to be really interesting. I don't think he, I think he would have to qualify because I don't think he'll be a pick. Uh, but he, he certainly could. He's got enough game to do it. And, uh, yeah, that part of it will be interesting. So, uh, okay. Any parting thoughts, Mark, before we go? Uh, Victor Hovland. Um, I wouldn't be surprised whatsoever if that boy is on the Ryder Cup team end of this year. He's currently ranked yeah. second in the world. A European team, you qualify by European points and world ranking points. Um, I'm sure he and his people have planned on this because he'll be a fixture for a long time. And so uh, I, if I was a betting man, um, uh, I'd certainly put him on a lineup. Yeah, for sure. Uh, speaking of, great, unbelievable segue there, Mark. Uh, we're we're going to have a DFS and betting preview later in the week with uh, Rick Gaiman and uh, Greg Ducharme. They will be back, uh, I believe, on either Tuesday or Wednesday, kind of previewing the American Express, 
with uh, everything you need to uh, to set your lineup. So good stuff, Mark. Let's uh, that is on Tuesday, by the way. Let's enjoy the national championship tonight. Uh, go go Tigers! No matter who you're rooting for, and uh, we will uh, we'll talk soon. Maybe Phil will reveal how much money he wins on tonight's game later on in the week. Uh, I'm sure. Well, I'll be following your Twitter feed uh, with great anticipation. So keep up the good work, there. <laughs> See you, Mark. Bye, bye, man. Paramount Plus original docuseries returns. The last time I saw Max, he looked at us laughing, and then everything changed in a blink of an eye. My feeling as a detective is that he was murdered. Yahoo Entertainment calls it a spine-chilling docuseries, showcasing real-life tragedies. What about when your child who went missing? We need to know the truth. Never seen again. Now streaming on Paramount Plus.